KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. I drove out by myself on Friday afternoon to Pittsburgh area on the turnpike by myself. And I think that's probably when I was like, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> like, this is, I'm actually driving to go play at a tournament now. This is awesome. This is really great. <laughs> Enjoy this. And our guest this week is Drexel University product professional golfer Chris Crawford. And Chris, thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you for having me on, Matt. I appreciate it. So talk a little bit about uh, life's been crazy for the last year and a half, but I know you've been playing through it. You, you qualified for the U.S. Open uh, this year. Uh, where are you playing? What are you doing these days? Um, well, uh, you know, yeah, it's been a little, a little bit of an interesting ride over the last year and a half, but thankfully golf has been uh, able to play for a large majority of that. So, you know, I spend the winter times in Sarasota, Florida. Um, so that's where I was last year and uh, for the first half of 2020 and then the first half of, of 21 again. And um, I spend most of the summers in the fall here in Ben Salem, where I'm from originally. How often are you playing these days? How many tournaments on, on average, stuff like that? Or is it kind of all over the place? Uh, no, I mean, pretty often, you know, I'm playing five, five, six days a week. I usually try to take off about a, a day to give myself a little bit of a rest. And then uh, tournaments have been, you know, scheduling and everything's always a little difficult. So, but I try to play as, as much as I can. Lately, it's been picking up a little bit this summer. Played a handful of tournaments, obviously starting with, really starting with Tory in June. And then there was kind of a little lull actually after that. For about a month and then played some state opens some mini tour events and uh a couple events here that were actually in our area over the last uh last couple of weeks and then just gearing up for q school at this point in the fall for corn ferry yeah and for people that aren't familiar explain what what q school is and uh, corn ferry is kind of the, the 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 lane that feeds into the pga tour correct yeah yeah back in back you know 10 years ago they used to do uh Q school directly to get into the PGA tour. And that's how it always was for forever. And then the PGA tour made the change, made the corn ferry tour kind of the direct feeder tour into the PGA tour. So that's your way getting out there now. So Q school now is just for the corn ferry three stages plus a pre-qualifying stage. So really four stages in the fall to try to get the top 40 guys, 40 in ties. I think at final stage end up getting their corn ferry card and then the corn ferry guys advance to the PGA tour. So that's how they have it set up now. Um, so I have to go to first stage in about two weeks. And then everything kind of wraps up kind of quickly. They do it all in about a month and a half now. Final stage is in maybe the second week of November. And then the season starts in January. So it uh, comes at you quickly and you got to be ready to play a lot of good rounds pretty fast. Can't uh, There's not a lot of room for error in this stuff. How do you feel about how you're playing right now? You feel like you're in a good spot? Yeah, certainly not bad. I, I think, uh, you know, I was able to play the last two uh, form tour events, which was the, um, you know, usually it's the McKenzie tour, but the, the Canadian border was shut down for most of the summer, obviously. And they, they added a tour in the U.S. called the form tour and uh, played about eight events. I was able to have status there, didn't play most of the season, but was able to get a sponsor's exemption into the Rolling Green event which they had obviously just outside of Philly. And I've played Rolling Green a lot growing up over the years, um, just in tournaments and stuff. So I was able to get into that event 
and then played well enough in that event to get into the tour championship the following week up in Wilkes-Barre. Getting to play those two events was kind of a nice little prep, um, hopefully going into the going into Q school here in a couple of weeks. So I think things are, things are coming along. All right. So let's talk about the origin of golf in your life. Uh, was it something you were exposed to young as a youngster? Were you a kid that played everything and just eventually you realized how much you enjoyed golf and that you were good at it? Kind of give me how it started. Yeah. So, um, I started playing golf when I was very little, like pretty much basically just after I could walk, I had plastic clubs and cut down clubs, you know, and I was always very interested in the game. Um, my being, you know, kind of my right around when I was born and my, my early childhood kind of coincided with my dad kind of picking up the game and starting to play. He didn't play growing up or anything, but in his twenties, he was getting more into it around the time I came along. And I had, you know, I, me and my brother, we both played a lot of sports growing up, just kind of like any kid would, right? Just doing, a, you know, uh, I played a ton of baseball growing up. I played soccer, but um, I knew golf was always, golf was always kind of my favorite. And from when I was little, even though other things were going on, I still tried to play golf on the side. And I, I kind of always knew that that was by far my, my favorite of the sports, but um but played a lot of other things. So I didn't really start competing in golf until maybe a little bit later than most, than some other juniors, even though I played a handful of tournaments here. Um, didn't really know I wanted to play in college, probably until mid high school was really when I thought that maybe that was something I could try to do. Um, but it was always, always something I tried to play, tried to get out and do as much as I could. And really uh, always, always wanted to do it. I never knew that I would be, trying to play professionally. That was not something that I was like gunning for from, from a young age, you know, it just, that didn't happen until much later that I thought I might try this. Um, but I don't know if that answers your question. No, absolutely. So I'm curious, you obviously loved the sport as a youngster. What was it about golf that just clicked with you even as a kid? <laughs> it's a good question. Uh, I think, uh, I don't know. I've always been the personality wise. It always, I felt like it always worked for me. I've always been more of a easy, you know, more of an easygoing person, you know, kind of laid back the, the pace of the game always, I think, uh, fit me well. Even I was not like a really hyper kid or, any, or anything like that. So I, I was fine with just hanging out and playing. And, uh, um, I don't know. I, I just, uh, I don't remember a time in my life where I didn't love playing the game. It's just, it's just something that, you know, goes back before I can remember. Um, and I, I just, uh, you know, you know, I was born in 94. So when I was really little, that was the tiger, the tiger era was really getting going. Um, those are some of my earliest golf memories, uh, watching those events. I watched a lot of golf from a young age, if I could. Um, and, like, and like a lot of people my age was certainly inspired by that and by everything that was going on there with, with him and, and what he was able to do. And, um, always loved the history of the game, loved learning about it, golf courses. You know, I grew up on a Donald Ross golf course, which was at Lulu country club, um, which was perfect for a young kid to learn the game, perfect to get exposed to 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 a historic old golf course that was that was really great for 
for a young kid, for somebody growing up to play. And um, I don't know, just to, just always, uh, we just always clicked me and the, and the game a little bit. So you talk about, you didn't think about playing in college till halfway through high school, but was there a moment when it crystallized for you that you were better than most of the people you were playing with and against, like even as a 12, 13, 14 year old, did you notice you were able to make shots and, and manage a course a little better than the the folks around you? Um, I don't know if there was ever a moment. I always felt like I was improving, I guess every, every year, right? Like you could notice that I kept getting a little bit better. And like I said, I, I was playing a lot of baseball growing up. And, you know, so my time in golf was somewhat limited. So I think that always gave me maybe a little bit extra thought that, hey, if I ever did play this full time or really, really had a lot of time to practice and, and play more tournaments, that my I could even get any better. And so I kept seeing like little improvements, not that I was doing anything great necessarily, but, uh, you know, tiny little improvements every year through high school. And then high school was kind of the same thing. I just, um, I know I was, I did fine as a freshman. I just kind of felt like I made little improvements, started to play some tournaments and maybe would play a little bit better in a couple tournaments here or there. So I don't know if there was ever one, one moment necessarily, but I did kind of notice those little incremental changes. And by the time I was junior year, you know, sophomore, junior year in high school, I thought maybe I could, I'd like to try to play somewhere in college. I don't know where I where that would work out but i'd at least like to try to do that and i thought i could do that and you went to holy ghost prep correct yes so how talk about the the road to drexel how do you end up a dragon uh once you did start to think that this was something for college did they come after you were you were they one of many you were looking at kind of give us the origin story of you heading to direct? Oh, definitely, definitely not many. Definitely not one of many, one of me, very, a couple, not, not very many. So the whole college recruiting process, I was, I was very late in the game. You know, most kids that are going to playing high level college golf, they're playing AJGA tournaments and these junior events that are getting recruited from, you know, pretty early on in the game. Uh, most of these, most of the big, big colleges, have their recruits lined up when they're, you know, 16 sophomore juniors in high school, ready to go. So how I ended up at Drexel was an interesting kind of stroke of fate. That was just basically just coincidence. It was the, my senior year. in so it would have been October, my senior year, actually about 10 years ago when we were playing the district championships at Turtle Creek for Holy Ghost, which we played every, you know, every year, it was always a Turtle Creek. And I was, I played decently well. I can't remember how I finished in the event, but um, Drexel's coach at the time, Mike Dinda was out doing recruiting. Um, He was out following some groups at Turtle Creek just by chance followed my group. I don't think he knew who I was at all. And he followed us around for a few holes. I didn't know who he was. And I guess he liked me enough. I think he, I think he just liked the fact that I played a little bit of a draw I think since he saw that in himself, played a little bit of a draw or maybe even a little bit of a hook most of the time. And uh, he, I think he gave his, he left me his phone number in some way and ended up giving me a call some point after that. And 
and and that was the first time I had heard, you know, any interest from from Drexel specifically. Um, and then from there, it just kind of it just kind of went. We just at that point, I didn't have a ton of other interest from other schools, and it was getting pretty late. You know, most people by that time in their senior year have an idea of where things are going. And we, we clicked and got along together and he said, Hey, you know, what do you think? And a couple months later, I still waited a couple months. I was a little indecisive. And by that winter time, I think I knew where I was going, but it was, you know, it was, it was just one of those things. I, you know, you're, you're in high school, you send a ton of, you send emails out to like a bunch of different schools and maybe some of them respond. You try to contact them a lot of times and maybe a couple of them, are polite. Some of them probably don't respond at all, but yeah, Drexel really wasn't on my radar until I met Mike around that time. And then things just kind of went from there. So you arrive at Drexel, feel comfortable right away. Is it a big transition to the world of being a collegiate golfer? Actually, no, it was a very comfortable transition for me. Uh, I walked into what I thought was a great situation with the guys on the team. Um, Ben Feld, who's the current coach at Drexel was a senior at the time on the team. And he, uh, kind of helped uh, early when I was still after I committed, I guess, to Drexel and he kind of helped get me acclimated it was really and a lot of the guys on the team were were just great to me. It was real. I walked into an easy, very comfortable situation and fortunately was able to to play right away, get playing in tournaments. And that was, I think, huge that I was able to play basically, you know, every event that fall and spring freshman year. So you have all of a sudden you have all these tournaments lined up for you in a row, right? You're playing five events in the fall every week. You get into a little bit of a rhythm and you can kind of really see, kind of learn how to compete that way, which is something that I hadn't really been exposed to before. Um, so it wasn't, uh, it was, it was, I mean, walking into the situation Drexel I had was, was fantastic. I, I really enjoyed it and I enjoyed it right away and through the entire four plus years that I was there. You have so much success at Drexel. You know, you were, I think, men's golfer of the year one year, three-time all-conference, 11-time conference golfer of the week. Did it always feel, I don't know if natural is the word, but did you ever surprise yourself? Or did it just seem like, hey, I'm playing well and this is the next logical step and if I do well, this happens? Did it just all kind of make sense? Um, yeah, I don't want to say, I don't think I surprised myself. I mean, certainly, you know, I had, it was like the same thing I was saying kind of about college or when I was younger, I just tried to get incrementally a little bit better. And I kept seeing improvements that made me realize, oh, okay, I, maybe I can do this. Okay. This, my scoring average is a little better this year. Okay. I have more top tens this year. You know, I, these little tiny things or even in what you're doing every day, you can see it a little bit. So I think I was rookie of the year, my freshman year, which was not, it, all these things were nice. I certainly enjoyed it, but um, I think it was just a matter of just, yeah, I was just noticing that I was getting a little better and I was able to focus. So by, by the end of the year, like of junior, senior year, after I was a little bit into it, I mean, I was, you know, I was pretty determined to try to win events and to try to do as best as I could to put myself up there as one of the best players in the conference. I mean, that was certainly a goal for me. And I always just figured if you, if I gave myself a chance to win events, right. If I just hung around near the top of the leaderboard, you're going to, you're going to like in almost accidentally win a few of them at, at the very least. Right. And then if you have a really good week, maybe you can, 
you can do well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I set goals for myself that included some of that stuff. It wasn't, uh, wasn't the, the only focus. It wasn't the thing that drove me the most, but, uh, it was certainly in the back of my mind. Did you ever feel as you're having this success and you kind of become the centerpiece of the team? Did you ever feel pressure? And if you did, how did you deal with that to continue to have success? I I don't think so. I think in college golf, even though you're a team, you are still an individual, right? So I always looked at it as I'm going to try to play the best that I possibly can myself. And if I do that, it's going to help the team, right? It's not, it's not like another sport where you're reliant on each other. You are in the sense that the final score for the team depends on what everybody shoots, but you are in control of your own, you know, you're totally in control of yourself and then everything else just kind of happens. So I, I figured that for the sake of the team, if I just focused on myself and played the best I could, that was going to help the team. And then if, you know, if you had a rough day here or there, that was, it's, that's golf. I mean, it's just going to happen and uh, it happens to everybody. And we do drop, you always drop one score. You take the best four out of five in college golf. So no, I never, I never felt a ton of pressure. I just tried to do the best I could and um, just tried to trust that that would work out. So I'm curious, when along the line here, do you, I'm sure everybody that plays at a certain level of golf has dreams and ambitions of, boy, it'd be great to go pro, or I think I can go pro. I'm imagining there's kind of, if not a moment, a a time period where that transitions from kind of a vague idea or dream to, you know what, with where I am right now and what I can do, this is legitimate. Like there are now concrete things, concrete steps that I am capable of achieving that could get me on the road to, to being a pro. Do you remember when that started to crystallize for you? Honestly, I, I don't think it did until the 2016 U S open. I think that was the first time, you know, like I said, up until this point, I just wanted to compete. You know, originally you just want to be, you want to compete locally, right? You want to be, you want to playing in gap events, golf, you know, Philadelphia events and compete with these guys who try to compete with the best players. And, and I, you know, I, I played some inner, some uh, more national amateur events and you just, you want to try to play as best you could in those. So it's kind of like a little bit of a professional golf was not my focus for most of my competitive golf life, right? It wasn't something I was necessarily thinking about, even if maybe there was a tiny bit of it and maybe the back of my mind until probably the 2016 U.S. Open. And I knew because I was at Drexel, I still had a fifth year of school because I went in as a five-year degree. So my career at Drexel wrapped up then in May, April, I guess, of of 16, my, my fourth year, my senior year. And I knew I still had an extra year of school to go. So turning pro immediately was never going to be an option. I wasn't going to leave school early. So it was kind of a decision that I was able to push back at that time. I was like, all right, well, I'll just think about that later. I'm just going to keep playing amateur events and see how I do. And then I got another year of school. So I can kind of, if I keep getting better, maybe I'll think about it. And then the 2016 U.S. Open was when I first thought, okay, maybe this is something I should really think about doing. It didn't, wasn't going to advance the timeline at all. I still had at least a year to go. But 
getting a chance to play in that and to to see real you know to see professional the guys on the PJ tour I played with practice rounds with some literally some of the best players in the world at the time coincidentally and you're like okay maybe this is something I should I should start to think about I want to talk about the US Open in a second but when the Drexel career when you look at it in its totality what are some of the best memories that come back when you think about your time as a dragon? The best memories by far are the, the trips with your teammates and your coaches. Like we took some really unique trips over the years. We went down the outer banks every year to play uh, ODU's tournament. That was, you stay right on the beach in a hotel. We go out, you know, you're hanging out, hanging out and doing the trips that we did is by far my, my best memories of, of college golf um, drive the van rides, like all these little, all these little things where you're just spending so much time with each other in hotels. I got to think golf is different than other sports in the sense that there's so much time you spend competing, right? If you play a soccer game or a fo- even a football game, you know, it's a couple hours and then you're done. These golf tournaments are entire weekends where you're spending time together in hotels and then competing for, I mean, sometimes you're competing for 10 plus hours a day if you're playing 36 holes, you know, so it's, it's a long thing. And, uh, and Mike Dinda, our head coach and, and Ben and everybody just did such a great job of, of um, like making sure things stayed were fun. Like if we went to a new place, we'd always try to get some of the local flair. We didn't necessarily just eat at Outback or the generic restaurant way. We try to go somewhere local. We try to do something fun playing wiffle ball on the beach. We took, a tournament we played St. Bonaventure's tournament every year and Dinda was is from up that way. So we'd go and play his home course the weekend before and then before the practice round. So it was like a whole thing, all these unique trips that were just so awesome that are by far my favorite memories of college golf. And one of the things I'm so thankful that I went to Drexel at because you know, I don't know, I can't speak for everybody else's experience, but you know, we definitely made it. We definitely made it fun and, and had a good time on those trips. Time for a break on one on one. We will have more with former Drexel University golfer Chris Crawford right after this. When someone at KYW News Radio goes out to cover a story, there's a lot that just doesn't make it on the radio. I cannot believe this is going on. In a world of lazy arguments, it's one of the laziest. I'm Jay Scott Smith. And I talk to my colleagues about everything you didn't get to hear on the air on the podcast, The Rundown, from KYW News Radio. Listen free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. And we are back. Our guest this week is golfer Chris Crawford. So the U.S. Open, you've qualified three times. First time is in 2016. And if I remember correctly, to qualify, you had to hit a monster putt with the all the pressure on to, to get into that first U S open. It was like a 40, 45 footer. Am I correct? Yeah. No, uh, I think it was, it was probably about 40 feet on 18 at canoe Brook. Yeah. I did not, did not play that hole very well and, uh, was fortunate to even end up on that spot. I really, I played, I remember I played well in the local qualifier, which was at, I played the local one for the gap at Miss Elm Springs played well. That was like mid May, you know, I get to the sectional and, um, I played like a great round in the morning and all of a sudden I'm in, in contention. It was in like third place in the morning or something. And, you know, the things just kind of came together. I made a lot of putts in the first round, just played really well. 
And the second round was not going nearly as smoothly. It was a, it was a rockier road for sure. And I was uh, struggling a little bit and it hung in there for really the entire day until uh, 16. So my, you know, my 34th hole of the day made bogey, played the hole poorly, hit a bad tee shot, second shot of a short, right, whatever, make bogey. And, um, Ben Feld was caddying for me and I asked him, I had a good tee shot on 17. I asked him finally, this was, I didn't, wasn't aware of the scoring the entire afternoon. I said, all right, well, you know, I figure we got to be close here. Where, where do we stand? And he said, um, something along the lines of, you know, par, par, you're in, right. You're on the number. You're good. <laughs> Ended up, I was like, okay, you know, I was glad that I got the tee shot off because before I asked that question, because that tee shot was pretty difficult and I hadn't hit a good one for a couple holes. So I, I only had like pitching wedge in kind of made a mess of it, hit the pitching wedge to like 30 or 40 feet and three putted on 17. So now I know I need birdie on 18 to, to get through. I tried to compose myself on the tee shot and 18 at Canoebrook North. It was like a 600 yard par five. Um, Tee shots a little downhill. It's kind of narrow. And I made, I remember hitting the tee shot. I made pretty good contact on the club face, felt good. And I looked up and the ball just takes just like just an absolute rope hook, just 40 or 50 yards left minimally into the adjacent hole, into the adjacent fairway. I think it's 13, 13th hole runs parallel to, to 18. And there's all these trees down the left of 18 that kind of block you from coming back into the fairway. It's not an easy shot. And I think I might've been in the first cut, maybe not the fairway. And they're basically playing back into the, the actual hole, playing back in the 18th fairway was not an option. So I had Ben walk off. We, so we did not play this hole very quickly, which I think was, a, I think was acceptable under the circumstances. I had Ben walk off the yardage all the way down the 13th fairway I kind of hit like a mediocre layup. I, I still had six iron in over the trees at this point into the 18th green. It was like 185, something like that. And hit hit the six iron. Remember again, making good contact, looking up. The ball caught like a little leaf on the top of a tree, but didn't actually affect the flight, luckily. And we didn't see where it ended up. So... I heard some like light applause because there was a little bit of a crowd around the 18th green at this point. We heard some light applause. So even though I didn't see it land, I was like, okay, it's got to be somewhere close to the green. I have a chance. And at this point, you know, I'll, at least if I made par, I could still get into a playoff and there would have been a big playoff for one spot. And we got up there and I saw the ball was on the green about 40 feet away. And I was absolutely thrilled that I didn't have to chip and try to get this ball up and down. Just having a putt was just like a relief at that point. Uh, the pin was in the back left. And I remember reading the putt with Ben and we were like, it's not, you know, as far as these putts go, it's actually not that difficult of a putt. It's uphill. It's going to break a little right to left. Not a lot. It's like a couple inches outside. Right. And I just tried to tell myself to give it a chance, just hit a decent putt and give it a chance, give it a chance. And I think I hit it a little hard. And it kind of caught that left edge and went in and, um, and it was, it was, I mean, it was a great, great, uh, great memory, great moment for me, for both of us. And, uh, 
you know, they, there was a lot of people around, like I said, kind of waiting for that to finish. So they were able to cap, capture it on video and it was, um, I was, it was, it was pretty fortunate. The whole thing was a little, a little lucky, but I guess that happened, you know, you need that sometimes. Do you remember like, did it seem like it took forever to get in the hole? Like, uh, do you remember your emotions as the, as the, the balls going closer to the hole? Uh, you kind of black, like you kind of black out a little bit. Like I do have a memory of it, but it's all a little bit of a blur, honestly, especially like right after it goes in. I just remember hitting it, looking up when it was probably about halfway or a little past halfway there. And I knew it looked pretty good. And I was like, please just catch the lip. Like it kind of catches the left side of the hole. I was like, please just catch the hole. And, and, and it was almost like a little bit of a shock when it, I saw it catch the hole and drop instead of like whipping out because it was coming in hard. And then I kind of just, I don't really remember the next couple seconds after that, um, except for just being really excited. <laughs> just so the level of excitement is just so much. And you walk off the green, it's just like a combination of, of excitement and relief and kind of disbelief a little bit, you know, and, uh, and it was, it, it was just great. To that point, how long does it take before it really kind of sinks in that you're going to play in the U.S. Open? Because I'm sure there's got to be a period yeah. of just kind of surrealness of, and it's kind of this idea that everyone's talking about. But is there a moment when it kind of hits you like, wow, like, you know, I don't know if it was an email for information or somebody calls you and says, this is what you have to do. Like, right? what do you remember when it really kind of smacked you in the face? Well, you know, after so after it happened, like a couple minutes after I was doing some interviews, I remember thinking, because I had played Oakmont before. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, I have to actually go play this golf course now in U.S. Open conditions. Like, how am I going to how am I going to do that? This place is going to be impossible. Um, but, yeah, the next the next couple days, you know, they send you some stuff. They send you information. They try to make you try to get everything sorted out. And thankfully, with it being in Pennsylvania, the planning wasn't that difficult. You know, I, you just get a hotel and. Some of the other, you know, other times if there's flights involved or more expensive places. But, um, you know, I, I drove out by myself on Friday afternoon, I think. So it all happened so quickly. You know, the qualifiers on Monday and then the tournament's a week and a half away. So that Friday, I drove out to Pittsburgh, you know, the Pittsburgh area on the turnpike by myself. And I think that's probably when I was like, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> like this is, I'm actually driving to go play this tournament now. And it was just such a really peaceful, enjoyable ride, you know, four and a half, five hours dead straight, mostly flat out the turnpike just by myself. And I was like, you know, this is, this is awesome. This is really great. <laughs> Enjoy this. So what is it like to that first time, you know, when you talk about playing the practice rounds with, with some of the best and you're out there, you know, what is that like being a part of that group that's playing in such a prestigious high level tournament? You know, they it's it's bizarre because you're you know, these guys are doing it every week on the PGA tour, and I'm obviously not. I'm playing, you know, the tournaments I'm playing in. And then you get there and you're treated basically like a tour pro even though you're an amateur who an amateur qualifier they treat you unbelievably well so that part is strange you all of a sudden you're 
in the clubhouse with these guys that you're recognizing all these guys that you've been watching on TV for years, guys that have won majors, just kind of walking around, kind of doing the same thing you're doing, practicing, playing, trying to, trying to get ready to play the best they can. And uh, yeah, I mean, they treat you, they treat you so incredibly at these events. So you really do feel like it's like you're a part of it for a couple of days, you know? And I was lucky. So I got there pretty early. Like I said, I got out there Friday night. I did registration Saturday morning. And uh, Jason Day had been one of the first people to register for the tournament. He was out there pretty early. And when you go through the registration process, they have just a T-sheet on the computer where you can pick out your practice round times and kind of schedule everything for the rest of the week. And he had already picked out a few times. I saw his name on like a Tuesday morning practice round, he was by himself. And I asked the person on the computer, I was like, Hey, you know, what do you think if I put my name in with him? And she was like, well, you know, sometimes some of these guys, if they see a name, they don't know, they might reschedule or do something, but she was like, you never know. You might as well try it. So I said, all right, I'll put, I'll put my name in with him. It's like Tuesday morning at nine, something. And uh, he kept the time. So, Tuesday morning, he was the number one ranked player in the world at the time. And, you know, Tuesday morning, I was I was with him and a couple other guys just ready to go. And and he could not have been more nice to me, more nice to some random amateur that, uh, you know, he'd never met before. And, uh, you know, that was that was a pretty incredible experience. That was we had bigger galleries, obviously, on for me bigger galleries for that than I did at any point in the tournament. So that was the best preparation you could get. You know, the first tees lined with people like, well, if I can handle, if I can get this ball airborne, I can handle this. I think I'll be fine for the rest of the tournament. Uh, and we, we played nine holes together and it was, and it was great. I mean, uh, and then the next day, Wednesday, I played with uh, coincidentally played with Justin Rose and Matt Fitzpatrick, and they were both fantastic also. Um, so I got really lucky with a couple, couple of the pairings I had to, you know, the Jason Day pairing, I kind of went out, I went, I, I sought it out a little bit, but the other ones I got just kind of lucky and uh, I ended up playing with some of the best players in the world. So you've qualified for three U.S. Opens. I'm sure there's nothing like the first time, especially the way hitting that putt to, to go in. But do they all hit differently depending on where you are in your career and the circumstances? Like is the emotions yes. they're all, it's the same. No, they definitely all hit differently. Oh, okay. I mean, um, you know, the first one was exciting. It was the first time it was a little bit of a, it was a surprise. It was, it was, wow. It was in your home, my home state, which was special. So we had a lot of people who were able to go a lot of friends, family, Drexel people, Holy Ghost people that were able to go out and watch that because, you know, it was it was it was perfect. I mean, Oakmont is is historic. It's spectacular. I couldn't have picked it. You basically can't pick a better venue for for an open for the first time than Oakmont. The second time around with Aaron Hills, you know, in the qualifier, I knew what to expect this time out of the sectional. I, I knew I had done it. So there's a little bit of added confidence there. And um, it was just a little bit more no frills probably the second time I just, I, it was similar in the sense that I happened to play a good round in the morning. And then the afternoon was a little bit more, it was less, uh, less exciting, less, way less heroics involved. It was much more boring. 
which I probably preferred at experiencing this, you know, it's like, okay. And, um, but then this year in some ways actually meant the most because, you know, it was the first time as a professional and it had been four years. Those memories were starting to feel a little distant of getting through. And there have certainly been some struggles along the way over the last couple of years as a professional. Um, you know, your life experiences are just different at this point. So this year, uh, it was a different golf course in the first two where Canoe broke. This one was at Woodmont down in Maryland. This one probably, probably meant the most uh, from the standpoint of, of, you know, kind of showing myself that I could, could do it again, right? After, after a couple of years. And like I said, some years where I struggled a little bit, um, it was all, it, it just uh, kind of, was, it was kind of more satisfying probably in some ways uh, than, the, than the first two. How do you feel coming out of the U.S. Opens? Because it's such a difficult, you know, the courses, I'm sure, are difficult. The hole placement, it's just everything is such high level. Do you come out feeling like you played really well, as well as you could at this point in your career, given the, the circumstances? Are there times you're frustrated that you left shots out there? I mean, I'm guessing for the most part it's a mix of everything. But how do you usually feel coming out of these tournaments? This year, I was kind of frustrated because I, I didn't feel like I played well at Tory. Uh, I really didn't drive the ball well, which was which was just pretty much everything. I couldn't play that golf course if I didn't drive the ball accurately, and I just missed too many fairways. And uh, so that was a little bit that was a little bit tough, um, you know, because I I knew kind of what to expect this time around, and I just didn't I just didn't have it. Just didn't play well. Um, the first two times, you know, especially Aaron Hills, that was probably the best I played of the three. That was the closest I came to making the cut. I, I, you could leave a tournament like that and say, Hey, I, I played pretty well, uh, even though I didn't make the cut. Um, you know, I'm pretty happy. I can move, I can move forward with this and, and learn from this. And I certainly felt the same way about Tory. You know, you, you know, you can, I'm like, all right, you know, there's a lot to be learned here. I, I need, I, nothing exposes you like a U.S. Open. I mean, it's, it's as hard as it's going to get ever, you know, you know that. And so it really puts a, a spotlight on all of your flaws and, and deficiencies as a player. Um, so I, you know, you go through that, you, you are able to kind of get a decent assessment of where you stand and, and how to move forward. And, um, yeah, this year was a little weird in the sense that I didn't I didn't play a lot after the U.S. Open because scheduling just didn't work out. I, I I had the status on the form tour, but I I actually missed a few of the Monday qualifiers because of playing at Tory. So I wasn't in a couple events. There wasn't a lot of mini tour stuff. So I kind of came back from Tory this year and didn't compete again for like almost a month just because there wasn't really much for me to compete in. So that that was a little strange. But then. Um, but then I, thankfully I was able to kind of move and start competing a little bit more, move into more of a regular schedule by the time late July came around. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's easy to get down on yourself if you struggle, but then you have to remember it's the U S open. What can I learn from this? And the answer is usually a lot. You just have to try to stay positive and, 
and know that it's really difficult to just jump into that situation when you're not a PJ tour player to just jump in and play well, it's really, really hard to do. And, uh, so try to try to, uh, I, I don't know if that, you know, I think answers. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm curious if you could only play one golf course for the rest of your life, do you have one that if you, it could be the only one you played, it would be that one. Well, that's, that's a tough question that I have already played. I don't know. Um, you know, obviously Oakmont's one of my favorite courses in the world. Uh, but Oakmont is so difficult that every day for the rest of my life might get, <laughs> might get a little painful after a while. I can only chip out, pitch out of those bunkers so many times. Uh, you know, Pine Valley is one of my favorite courses ever. I, I mean, Marion's incredible. I've been lucky that I've played a, a lot of, lot of good golf courses um so that's that is a, that's a tough question uh, you know i love riviera i probably you know marion's great i mean piners number two is one of my favorite places to play i love golf i love all of golf down in there down in the in the in pine a couple of the golf courses down there uh even the non-piners courses are awesome but uh, i don't <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there is one. I think I'd like to mix it around a little bit. I've never played Augusta, so I can't, you know, can't make a comment on that. Yet. <laughs> yeah. Cypress looks incredible. I've never been out there. You know, I love to play some, you know, there's a lot of places on my bucket list that hopefully I like to get to. <laughs> I'm curious, are you able to play golf just for fun? And what I say, like if you and your friends just go out on a, you know, a week when you're not playing in a tournament and you just go out to a course are you able to just unwind playing golf like kind of flip the switch where you're not micro managing your swing and worrying about what this and and just go out there and whatever happens happens or is it kind of impossible to when it's your livelihood to not kind of take stock of every shot regardless of the circumstances um i do i do do that i play with friends and and uh all the time. I mean, all the time I try to, it's probably a little different now than it used to be. Um, I'm probably, I have to struggle with that sometimes where it might be a little harder. You might try to try to overanalyze things maybe a little bit more because you kind of feel that, that pressure to, to be a professional and to perform. But, um, but I think it's important to play and have fun <laughs> doing it. Like to you're playing golf is, is a job, obviously in a sense it, it is, but if it's not a job that you love doing, then you shouldn't be doing it. Right. So it's important for someone in the position like this, like me, or to, to remember that why you're trying to play professionally is because you love the game and want to be the best you can at it. And not to overburden yourself with some sort of external pressure of feeling like you're a professional, however you define that. So, so playing for fun, uh, I, I thankfully get to do a, a lot of it with friends and with my dad and brother and our our friends and everything. And it's 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 very important to just go out there and be like, hey, this is 
this game is great. I enjoy doing this. I enjoy doing it with good people and just talking and, and not to take everything too personal all the time because there's a plenty of time that I to practice. There's no shortage of time to practice and overthink things uh, on the road or when you're home. So letting loose and enjoying yourself is very, very important. And I'm just curious, are your friends anything like my friends where if I was, if I played golf all the time and then I went out and played with them and I hit a bad shot, I would never hear the end of it. Oh, I thought you qualified for the open. That's great. Like, do you, are, do you have to deal with that when you're just uh, banging around uh, with your buddies? <laughs> not, not too much, honestly. Not too much in that sense. Maybe a couple comments here and there, but not for the most part, no. <laughs> not that it would offend me. I wouldn't mind. <laughs> Chris Crawford, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks, Matt. I, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. I uh, hope I was able to to answer all your questions and be a decent guest. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. And that will do it for this week's episode. want to thank Chris Crawford for being our guest this week. Now, if you like the show and you want to help us out, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at one on one pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Matt Leon 1060. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to join us again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about.